Welcome to the Theo Soul Podcast, where theology meets sociology, along with a little bit of soul. I'm your host, Chad Cooper. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Sunday School Sundays. This is when we set aside some time for Christian education. We'll go over a Bible lesson that includes scripture verses, a brief introduction and background of the setting. Then, the exposition will give a verse-by-verse breakdown with some life application and some questions. Today is a new month. It's a new day, a new week. October 2020 brings with us the second month of our three-month fall teaching series about love. As this fall quarter Uh, These 13 lessons reminds us that we are commanded by God to love one another as God loved us. Last month, we went through four lessons that dealt with the theme entitled Struggles with Love. And they all centered around the Joseph narrative from the book of Genesis. This month, the month of October... Our theme is entitled Inclusive Love. Unit number two for October centers on love for the stranger, the poor, and enemies. Today's lesson is entitled Love and Devotion to Others. Our topic of discussion is A True Friend Intervenes. We're going to be reading from 1 Samuel chapter 19 verses 1 through 7. For a background of today's Bible lesson, I highly recommend you read in addition to 1 Samuel chapter 19 verses 1 through 7, chapter 23 of 1 Samuel verses 1 through 18, as well as 2 Samuel chapter 9 in its entirety. Let's read our main thought or our key verse, our memory verse for today's Bible lesson. Verse 4 of 1 Samuel chapter 19. From the King James Version, it reads And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father, and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he have not sinned against thee and because his works have been to thee word very good our lesson setting takes place um, the name is Gibeah the time uh, some theologians and scholars have set it around the year 1000 BC our introduction a true friend is a special gift from God not a social media status profile on Facebook in today's society it's hard for some to tell the difference the definition of friendship has nuanced meanings for different people a friend for some is one who always will agree with affirm validate and condone They are loyal companions who never will question, but only celebrate. 
Another word for these type of friends is sycophants. A true friend, in stark contrast, is one who proves their loyalty in love, truth, sacrifice, and courage. They are called by God and equipped to help bring out the best in us. Part of how true friends demonstrate such devotion is by knowing when and how to intervene in our lives, even when we don't want them to. An intervening friend is one who is quick to pray for us, one who speaks up for us when we can't ourselves. An individual who's willing to sacrifice for our well-being. An intervening friend is not just a true friend, but someone who reflects the character of Christ. Jonathan was such a friend to David. After the slaying of Goliath, David's reputation of being a courageous warrior began to surpass Saul's. Needless to say, it became embarrassing to the king. Being consumed by fear, jealousy, subsequent rage over David's budding success and acclaim from the kingdom inhabitants, Saul sought to take his life. Today's lesson explores the way Jonathan's loyalty to David was in tension with his loyalty to his father and was tested. Despite the obvious pressure he was under, Jonathan proved to be a true friend to David when he intervened. Jonathan loved and was devoted to his friend. He proved it even above loyalty to his own father. Our exposition calls for two sections. Section one is entitled Saul's Plot to Assassinate David. We're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 19 verses 1 through 5. Section 2 is entitled Jonathan's Intervention for David's Life. We read 1 Samuel chapter 19 verses 5 through 7. Section 1 Saul's Plot to Assassinate David. We'll be reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV. And in your Bible, you'll find similar words. And Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak to my father about you. And if I learn anything, I will tell you. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, 
and because his deeds have brought good to you. Finally, verse 5. For he took his life in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine. And the Lord worked a great salvation for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? Chapter 19 opens with Saul's growing efforts to eliminate David. Although he initially loved David, see 1 Samuel 16 and 21, Saul eventually came to fear his growing reputation. See chapter 18 verses 7 through 9. Public adoration of David's victory over Goliath became louder than their recognition for Saul, their king. His pride couldn't withstand the perceived rejection. His jealousy led to the urgent appeal for David's death. Saul's hostility began with a murderous thought, then progressed to awkward homicidal acts hidden from public view. See chapter 18 verse 11. He had David assigned to military tasks, virtually certain to bring about his demise. See chapter 18, verses 13, 17, and 25. Saul then crafted a wider and more artful plan that involved public lies. See chapter 18, verse 22. And a small circle of people, including servants, and a daughter. The circle of involvement widened when the efforts failed. Dropping all ruses, Saul then spoke openly and bluntly to death Jonathan and all his servants about killing David. Verse 1 of today's lesson. The author's statement that Jonathan delighted greatly in David was meant to emphasize the deep bond of friendship he and David had forged. It also highlighted the implied tension of loyalties between Jonathan and his father and his friend. This also pointed to the growing power base David was creating. Jonathan was not the only person in Saul's family who was enamored with David. Michael, Saul's daughter also loved David so much that she helped him escape the wrath of the king. See chapter 19 verses 8 through 17. David's power base was what the king feared. If not for his sake, for the sake of his legacy and possible dynasty. Though David was innocent in that he had done no harm to David to Saul, Saul understood David was a threat to a familial dynasty and for that reason must be eliminated. At this juncture, it is important to understand Saul was a powerful and shrewd politician rather than a stark raving madman. His actions, while unjust, were no different than Solomon's when he came to power. 
Solomon eliminated all political threats upon his ascension to the throne, including his own brother. See 1 Kings chapter 2 verses 13 through 46. Though Saul knew of Jonathan's love for David, he never would have imagined his son would put the well-being of his friend over the wealth and power of becoming the monarch. Quite simply, this is what was done to consolidate power. In chapter 19, Saul attempted to kill David on four separate occasions. This was just the first. Saul, while acting shrewdly, was not aware of the happenings in his own house. He knew David was a threat, but not to what degree. Though he knew Jonathan loved David, it does not seem he was aware they had made a covenant with one another. Moreover, he did not know Jonathan had given David his royal vestments to solidify the covenant. See 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 3 and 4. Jonathan's gifting of vestments to David was symbolic of his releasing all claims to royal succession. Thus, as Jonathan acted to protect David, he not only acted as friend, but as a man of integrity. He made a covenant and then kept it. He stood in stark contrast to his father, who broke his word on several occasions throughout this narrative. He tried to kill David three times, three more times in this chapter after promising not to do so in chapter 19, verse six. Interestingly, as Saul attempted to remove David's threat to his kingdom, he was partially the cause of David's rise to power. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 13, Saul made David a commander of a thousand troops. This would have given David a larger power base and men who may have been more loyal to their military leader than the throne. Saul also gave his daughter Michal, Michal or Michael, to David in marriage. This would have given David legitimacy if he ever challenged for the throne. Technically, this made David a member of the royal family, even if he was not the crown prince. It seems Saul lived by the motto, quote, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. He kept David close by giving him positions so he might control him. But David was larger than the king. Wisely, Jonathan said nothing publicly to oppose his father's directives. But knowing there were always men eager to commit the most heinous crimes at the king's bidding, he wasted no time in informing David of the impending danger. With sorrowful desperation and urgency, Jonathan revealed to David that his father was seeking to kill him and proceed to formulate a plan to spare his life, telling him to be on guard until the morning 
and stay in a secret place and hide. With reckless abandonment, Jonathan put himself between his father, the king of Israel, and David, his true and trusted friend. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul as an attempt to dissuade him from killing him. The plan was to steer his father into the field where David was hiding so David might overhear the conversation in his hiding place and Jonathan might more easily report to him the result of the conversation without having to track him down. The first person pronoun in 1 Samuel chapter 19 verse 3 is emphatic as if Jonathan was saying, Leave this to me. I will assume the responsibility of being your advocate. In speaking well of David, Jonathan provided his father several reasons why he should relent from his campaign of violence. The first reason was because David was innocent. He hadn't committed any crime against the king or the nation that warranted his death. The second reason, David had been good to Saul. More than a great help to defeat the dreaded Philistine army, God, God's hand was clearly on his life and by proxy, the lives and well-being of the nation. Jonathan's third reason for sparing David's life was poised in a question. Quote, why would you sin by killing an innocent person? Jonathan maybe may have been trying to keep his father for, from incurring blood guilt. Blood guilt covers a variety of offenses within the Old Testament. One could incur blood guilt for slaughtering an animal in the field and failing to bring it to the priest. See Leviticus chapter 17 verses 3 and 4. Or by killing a thief during the day. See Exodus chapter 22 verses 3 and 4. But most recognizably, one would incur, incur blood guilt for murder. Killing with provocation, not in defense. And outside the confines of war. For varying offenses within the Old Testament, there are substitutes for guilt. For blood guilt, however, there is no substitute. Blood must be shed. Death would, must occur. In this sense, Jonathan was not only a friend of David, but also a friend to his father. He was trying to keep a curse from falling on their household from which they would not be released until a life was lost. If Saul succeeded in killing David, a set of events would have been set in motion from which they would not be able to recover. In this way, Jonathan taught his father a valuable lesson. Saul stood as king, meaning his power was absolute in his kingdom. Jonathan reminded Saul that though he might be sovereign within the kingdom, 
there was another to whom he was to be accountable. Saul at times lost sight of this seemingly minor detail, but there was a divine law that was to rule the land beyond the word of the king. Section two is entitled Jonathan's Intervention for David's Life. We'll read verses five through seven. From the English Standard Version, it reads, and in the Bible you'll find similar words. For he took his life in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine, and the Lord worked a great salvation for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he should not be put to death. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan reported to him all these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as before. Section 2 Because of Jonathan's respectful demeanor, cogent logic, and impassioned appeal to his father to spare his friend's life, Saul heeded his son's voice and swore an oath before God that he would not kill David. Oaths were statements by which a person promised or guaranteed a vow would be kept or that a statement was in fact true. In the Old Testament, the name of God was invoked as the one who would guarantee the results or veracity of a statement. So Saul's oath was in fact invoking God's hand to ensure David's protection even when Saul eventually changed his mind. One who has read the text knows Saul was a man who broke oaths made to God. See 1 Samuel chapter 14 verses 24 through 36 through 46. Saul had made an oath for the entire army to fast during a battle against the Philistines. Jonathan did not know his father had made an oath and ate some honey. The penalty for breaking the fast was supposed to be death. Thus Saul was supposed to kill his son. Saul did not follow through on his word. Instead, he acquiesced to the crowd that pressured him to let Jonathan live. Saul gave in and they ransomed an animal in Jonathan's place. This earlier story gives us insight to the current story in two ways. Number one, as was mentioned, Saul was not a man of integrity. He broke his word. Number two, 
Saul was a leader who lived for the approval of the crowd. He needed the praise of his people, even if that caused him to be unfaithful to the oaths he swore in the name of God. Having negotiated the reconciliation, Jonathan went on at once to inform David of his success and completed his mission by escorting him back to Saul. Because of Jonathan's intervention, David was restored to court. David's service to the king also was restored as in times past. David resumed his military his post as a military chieftain and lived within the court of the king. He also continued to be Saul's son-in-law. The interaction between Saul and Jonathan demonstrated Saul had no clue Jonathan had pledged his loyalty to David. This moment between the two showed how much Saul had lost touch with the reality that the kingdom truly had been torn from his hands. Even his own son had defected to his rival. The text is fraught with tension because as Saul had no idea about his son, Jonathan still had his father's trust. This is but one possibility. The other possibility is that Saul knew Jonathan and David were close friends. With his knowledge of their friendship, by agreeing to relent from his pursuit of David, he was hoping Jonathan would report back to David. Once the report reached David, David would return to the royal court, making it easier to kill David. Given the narrator's absence of details regarding the inner worlds of the protagonist, either theory can be supported. What is clear is that David and Saul were on opposing sides with Jonathan stuck in the middle. Some concluding remarks. The life application. Jesus is our true friend. As believers, we recognize Jesus Christ as our Savior, our mediator, the ultimate sacrifice for all of humanity. But do we also see him as a friend? It's easy to lose sight of the most practical nature of Jesus' humanity in the light of his great works and sacrifices for the world. But regarding him as friend implies a more intimate connection, one that involves the heart. When we consider Jesus as a friend, 
He makes himself available for us to experience him at the deepest levels of our greatest need. In other words, when we make Jesus our true friend, he intervenes in the most complex chaos of our lives and brings order. Like Jonathan intervened on David's behalf, Christ has done so on ours. He is our true friend. The question is, are we a true friend to him? Think about how you might be a better friend to Jesus. He stated in John chapter 15 verses, verse 14, quote, you are my friends. If you do what I command you. Friendship with Jesus is simple. But we must desire, like Jonathan, to be people of integrity and loyalty. We should be able to sing along with the hymnologists. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Or, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. Some questions. Let's talk about it. What was Jonathan's motive for his friendship with David? For more discussion on this Bible lesson, you can interact with us via social media. Use the hashtag Sunday School Sundays, the hashtag True Friend, as well as the hashtag The Old Soul Podcast. We are on Instagram at CJ Cooper 929, Twitter at CJ Cooper 929, or hit me up on Facebook. Just look up Chad Cooper. Before we leave you, we have some homework, otherwise known as the DDR, the Home Daily Devotional Readings. Here they are. Monday, the Lord is merciful and gracious. Psalm number 103, verses 1 through 14. Tuesday, responding to unwanted demands. Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42. Wednesday, Handling Family Difficulties Leviticus chapter 25 verses 35 through 39 Thursday Home Life of the Faithful Psalm number 128 Friday Forgiving the Ignorant Luke chapter 23 verses 32 through 36 Saturday Blessed and Rewarded Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 through 12 Sunday, love and forgive your enemies. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. This has been another episode of Sunday School Sundays here on the Theo Soul Podcast. You can hear this podcast where podcasts can be found. Some platforms include Anchor, Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. Just search The Old Soul Podcast. 
If you feel led to bless us with some love offerings, please support the Theoso Podcast financially. You can do so via Cash App. That is dollar sign CJ Cooper 22. As we said before, you can find us and interact with us via social media platforms as Facebook. Just look us up, Chad Cooper. On Instagram and Twitter, at CJCooper929. We thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Deal Soul Podcast, where theology meets sociology, along with a little bit of soul. I'm your host, Chad Cooper. <laughs>